is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. To listen to all parts of tonight's interview, just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. You will have access to all of our material. Start the year with information you will not get in the mainstream media. And for mind, body, and spirit shows, head on over to SanitasRadio.com. It's already making a difference to many. Are you one of them? Now for MMS, a new futuristic metal-cased USB drive with Season 5 and all of our seasons, with bonus material and other products, visit the Veritas store. To get in touch with us, for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower, there's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And now, learn how the unsolved murder of a doctor a secret laboratory in New Orleans, and cancer-causing monkey viruses are linked to Lee Harvey Oswald, the JFK assassination, and emerging global epidemics. For this, and much more, tonight's special guest is Ed Haslam, right now on Veritas. Ed Haslam spent his first 35 years living in New Orleans, he personally heard and saw things that involved the investigation into the Kennedy assassination, the murder of one of his father's colleagues, and claims of biological weapons to be used for political purposes. 
He had a successful career in the advertising industry where he managed campaigns for the Chrysler Corporation, Rockwell International, and others. As the AIDS epidemic fixed itself upon the media landscape, Haslam started questioning what he had seen and heard in New Orleans. He is the author of Dr. Mary's Monkey, How the Unsolved Murder of a Doctor, a Secret Laboratory in New Orleans, and Cancer-Causing Monkey Viruses are linked to Lee Harvey Oswald, the JFK assassination, and emerging global epidemics. And to learn more about Ed Haslam, visit his website at drmarysmonkey.com, which is also linked at ours. And directly from Bradenton, Florida, I would like to introduce Ed Haslam. Hello, Mr. Haslam, and welcome to Veritas. Thank you very much, Mel. It's good to be here. It's my pleasure. May I call you Ed? Please. And right from the beginning, Ed, let me ask you this question. How did you originally learn about this subject? Well, I think the simple point is that Mary Sherman and my father both taught at Tulane Medical School in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery. And Mary Sherman was a good friend of my father's. She even came out to the house. I even sat on her lap once as a child. So when she was murdered, it was big news in my family. And then later, when uh, Jim Garrison started his investigation into the JFK assassination in New Orleans, he discovered information that said that Mary Sherman had been involved in some kind of secret medical research with his prime suspect, who was David Ferry. And I was going to school in New Orleans at the time. I was in high school, and I was surrounded by kids who had family members involved in uh, all of this, the JFK um, investigation on both sides of the issue, in fact. Um, so I was, it, the story kind of came to me more than I went to it. And um, I heard a lot of really strange stuff back in the 60s, um, which led me to say things like, you know, hey, if we have this strange epidemic of, you know, cancer involving a monkey virus 30 years and now, at least we'll know where it came from. I mean, those are the kind of comments I was making in the 60s. So, you know, I'm, I wasn't a researcher, just kind of walked in the library, and found something and started looking at it. I really lived a life where I had all these pieces around me. What's the thesis of, of Dr. Mary's Monkey, the book? Well, it is first Dr. Mary's Monkey. And by the way, on the website, you spell out the word doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R. But Dr. Mary's Monkey is first and foremost an investigation into the murder of Dr. Mary Sherman. And from that, it's a little bit like Walt Whitman's Blade of Grass, that if you understand this Blade of Grass, you'll understand the universe. If you understand the Mary Sherman murder, you will understand all kinds of other stuff. I mean, it's kind of the um, core secret and it, un, it illuminates the darkness. It unravels all kind of um, stuff. And the basic point is that um, her murder was really not what the public was told it was. The public was lied to. I mean, it's as ridiculous as forgetting to tell the public that Nicole Simpson's throat got cut. I mean, right. Mary, Mary Sherman's right arm and rib cage were disintegrated by heat. Now, that takes thousands of degrees of heat. There was nothing in Mary Sherman's apartment that could have um, possibly done that. And so when they found her body uh, naked and stabbed seven or eight times in her apartment, missing her right arm and rib cage, and even the cops on the scene said you could... 
see the inter internal organs of the body, and I've seen the photos now, and, and you can easily see the internal organs of her body through the section of rib cage, which has been burned off. You realize that, you know, this was not a mattress fire. I mean, the toaster didn't burn off her arm. You know, she suffered a severe um, electrocution somewhere else, and um, they brought her body back to her apartment and faked the murder scene. And so once I started looking into that, it, the story branches out um, to a lot of different directions. It branches out to the uh, polio vaccines of the 1950s. It has a lot to do with um, an effort to build a biological weapon in New Orleans. That effort involved Lee Harvey Oswald. And because of that, now you're into the JFK assassination. So it... You know, it's like an octopus or something. I mean, it's a sprawling story. And, um, you know, what I tried to do in the book was get it all nailed down so that a normal person could read it from beginning to end and understand it without having to go to Wawa land too much. You know, it's <clears throat> it's kind of a sane investigation into a crazy subject is the way I look at it. The subject's whacked out. But the book is pretty um, buttoned down. And I have to tell you, I feel so privileged because I read the book from cover to cover, and you do cover so many areas, and you connect some dots. And I thought I knew a lot about the Kennedy assassination, although that was not really your focus. You did not want to discover who killed JFK, but what you found was just incredible. The, the burns of Dr. Sherman, you know, we'll even discuss the linear particle accelerator later, which is something that people didn't know existed at the time. But at the beginning of the book, you say, quote, for me, writing this book was difficult, stressful, and dangerous, unquote. Why do you say that? Well, I always compare it to if I had written Life's Little Instruction Book, <laughs> which yeah. sold, you know, over a million copies and, and um, was a lot less stressful for um, Mr. Brown to write. And... Um, you know, when you're investigating a real murder is um, stressful in itself, okay? And I have a lot of respect for the guys that do it for a living. Uh, but since I didn't have any of their, you know, badges or credentials or subpoena power or anything else, I just had to do it the best I could. And I was investigating a lot of uh, very prominent people in the city of New Orleans, including Dr. Oshner, who was the founder of the Oshner Clinic. And... Um, you know, and what I knew about Mary Sherman was what I knew from my father, who had like the utmost respect for the woman. And she was out of the University of Chicago and he was out of Harvard and stuff. When you, so when you get into talking about real people and uh, accusations about, you know, things like killing the president and all that other stuff, you know, it's not a game. I mean, it's real life. And if you're doing it for real, which I did, you know, it's stressful and um, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that it might be dangerous, you know. So, but I, I made a go, no go decision a while back because when I realized what was going on with the polio vaccine, that they had mass inoculated a hundred, almost 200 million Americans with a cancer causing virus in the polio vaccine, um, and then I found evidence that we had an epidemic. We have an epidemic of cancer going on today that started right after the polio vaccine. Uh, then I 
you know, my options kind of narrowed. You know, I said, you know, I a lot of people have done a lot of stuff for this country. Maybe this is just what I have to do. And so I just made the decision to go ahead with it, um, you know, which was difficult. You know, I'm, I'm married and I have a family and all that stuff. So every decision I have to make, I have to think about them. And in fact, my father uh, told me not to investigate this subject. You know, I mean, that's in the book. So that's what I meant by that. That's right. He he needed to protect the family, and he told you that uh, in his last uh, days. But let's go back in time, and we'll definitely discuss how a cancer virus get mixed with the polio vaccine. We'll discuss that later. But let's go back in time when you were a child, and this more or less happened to me in a way. I remember getting a yellow page book when I was seven or eight, calling every pet shop in, in where I lived asking because I wanted to buy a monkey and they were t- telling me it's illegal they carry disease but you have a you had a similar story with the pirate can you take us back in time well I grew up sailing um, on Lake Pontchartrain as a child um, I had my own sailboat by the age of 10 um, and I sailed with my father a lot on his boat and I crewed with a lot of other pe- people out there so I was at the yacht club all the time I was one of the, the kids that kind of um, hung around like the rats do you know and um, one day I'd been out sailing with my father and we had seen this really cool looking boat coming in as we were going out and when we got back into the harbor it, it looked like a pirate ship I mean you know it was a gaff rig schooner and it had the big rings around the mast instead of the tracks and stuff and the there was laundry hanging out to dry there was a parrot sitting on a perch in the rigging and down the uh, pier coming towards us was this um you know barefoot bare-chested you know ancient mariner kind of gypsy looking guy with a, a bandana t- tied around his head and a monkey on his shoulder and um, they were coming at us on the pier. The pier's not very wide. My father kind of pulled me over, so I was um, not very close to the monkey. And, you know, I was fascinated by this monkey. And, you know, monkey was staring at me. I was staring at the monkey. And then I asked my dad, I said, you know, hey, can I have a monkey for a pet? You know? And um, he said no. Like, <laughs> very clearly, you know? No, you may not. And... Um, I asked him why not, and he said, well, they carry diseases. Uh, some of them can kill you. And, you know, my father lived in the Philippines and had been a doctor of the Navy and had seen a lot of the world. And so I was just kind of wondering where he found out about that. And so I asked him, and he said, oh, they're researching monkey viruses down at the med school. Uh, some of the deadly, most deadly ones are coming in from Africa. And that, you know, ended my desire for a pet monkey because I didn't want any weird fatal virus from Africa, uh, regardless of how cute the monkey was. But it was really my first introduction to the idea that, um, A, there was monkey research going on in um, New Orleans. uh, And there's a whole bunch of it, in fact, but that was my first encounter with it. And also to the idea that there were deadly viruses. you know, I found interesting, I, I later asked my uh, father what was that virus he was so concerned about, and he told me it was the Ebola Valley fever. Now, I find that interesting today because uh, Ebola is um, on the books as being discovered in 1974, and my father died in 1972. 
That means there were people that knew about Ebola before the public was told about it. And those people were at Tulane Medical School. At any rate, that's just one of the thoughts there. And I remember how Ebola plagued Africa in the late 70s and early 80s. There were books written about that, too. But uh, who was Dr. Mary Sherman, and why is she so important to this story? Well, Dr. Mary Sherman um, was officially an orthopedic surgeon, but that's understating who she was. And she was from the University of Chicago. And for those unfamiliar with that, um, that's a school that is known more for its Nobel Prize winners than for its football team. In fact, it doesn't even have a football team. Okay, It is an academic superstation owned by the Rockefellers or founded and financed by the Rockefellers. You know, and this is it was done at a time when the Rockefellers were their investments were in the pharmaceuticals and they wanted a research university kind of on the European model instead of just the teaching college on the American model. And they wanted to load it up with really heavy duty people studying really exotic stuff. One of the more obvious and exotic things they specialized in were heavy metals which is why you find people like Enrico Fermi and Harold Urey and the first sustained nuclear reaction and all that stuff that led to the Manhattan Project. All, all the people that were on the Manhattan Project, not all of them, but a lot of them were out of the University of Chicago where the project uh, sort of started, actually started at Columbia, then moved to University of Chicago. And then when they set up the Manhattan Project out in New Mexico, they had uh, the University of California manage it. But, University of Chicago is where Enrico Fermi did the first sustained nuclear reaction. And Enrico Fermi was a good friend of Mary Sherman's. And I know this because, you know, my father used to sit around and have drinks with Mary Sherman and chat about stuff. And, uh, you know, they would go to meetings together and those kind of things. So um, what I learned about her by digging through the scientific directories was that, um, first of all, she was a world-class expert in radiation, okay? Um, she was published in the area. Um, basically, they were trying to figure out how to bring radiation into medicine. You remember x-rays or radiation, and nobody uses right. x-rays more than orthopedic surgeons do. And Mary Sherman was coming from the university that was developing all that technology, and the other thing she was an expert in was cancer. And if you look at the um, publications that I list in the in in my book, Dr. Mary's Monkey, on the chapter about Mary Sherman, it lists you know exactly what books I'm talking about because they are the uh, professional um, books on both cancer and radiation. And at one point, uh, there was a real move that questioned the entire vocabulary of cancer that was being used in medicine. And, and Mary Sherman was fairly vocal about the fact that she thought it was a useless vocabulary. And so the University of Texas published a book called Bones of the, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Cancers of the Bone and Soft Tissue. And um, 
one of the things to remember about bone cancers is they're not only in the hard part of the bone, but the bones make blood. And so you get blood cancers or actually bone cancers in another way, too. And uh, she was so prominent. They only asked five people to write articles for the book. And she was one of the five. And she had two articles in the book. And this was published right in the early 60s. So, you know, so what I Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, Proceed to the Veritas Plus member section, or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today, with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at VeritasRadio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at VeritasRadio.com.